0: Uh, to earn enough money to marry his long-time girlfriend. Hey, good morning, Lisa. She had a job near her home in Tennessee, and their plan was to pool their resources and to put a down payment on a house when he returned. Um, they corresponded often, but as the lonely weeks went by, she began expressing her doubts that he was being true to her, uh, exposed as he was to some very pretty Irish ladies. The young engineer wrote back, declaring with some passion that he was paying absolutely no attention to those girls. I admit, he wrote, that sometimes I'm tempted, but I fight it. I'm keeping myself for you. In the next mail, the engineer received a package. It contained a note from his girl and a harmonica. I'm sending this to you, she wrote, so that you can learn to play it and have something to take your mind off all those pretty girls. The engineer replied, thanks for the harmonica. I'm practicing practicing it every day and night, thinking of you. At the end of his two-year stint, the engineer was transferred back to company headquarters. He took the first plane to Tennessee to be reunited with his girl. Her whole family was with her, but as he rushed forward to embrace her, she held up a restraining hand and said very sternly, just hold on there a minute, Billy Bob. Before any serious kissing and hugging gets started here, let me hear you play that harmonica. I thought that was kind of funny. She's going to make him play that harmonica. If he's going to claim to be playing that harmonica while he's thinking of her, he better be pretty good at the harmonica if he's spending all that time thinking of her. So in other words, before he has permission, he's got to prove himself. And so today, as we're going to read Joshua chapter 10, God's going to give permission to Joshua as a result of his obedience and thinking of him. And so, remember, last week we had a little bit of trouble with the Gibeonites. But I think that Joshua and the children of Israel learned their lesson as they are beginning their conquest of the land. They definitely learned a hard lesson that day. You need to pay attention to what the Lord is doing, to what the Lord thinks, to what the Lord wants, to where the Lord is leading, guiding, or directing. And so, they learned a very tough lesson that day with the Gibeonites. And so, Joshua, the children of Israel, are now setting out back to war, back to conquest, and they're going to learn this tough lesson. And the S word for today is success. Joshua and his fellow Israelites are going to see success as a result of listening to God doing what they're supposed to do, following his lead and being everything that they're supposed to be for him. So let's read a little bit. Let's read these first 15 verses of Joshua chapter 10. This is going to be the first idea here. Now it came to pass when Adonai Zedek, king of Jerusalem, had heard how Joshua had taken Ai and utterly destroyed it as he had done to Jericho and its king. So he had done to Ai and its king and how the inhabitants of Gibeon had made peace with Israel and were among them. And they feared greatly because Gibeon was a great city, like one of the royal cities, and because it was greater than Ai, and its men were mighty. Therefore, Adonai Zedek, king of Jerusalem, sent to Hahem, king of Hebron, Piram, king of Jarmuth, Japhia, king of Lachish, and Debir, king of Eglon, saying, Come up to me and help me that we may attack Gibeon, for it has made peace with Joshua and with the children of Israel. Therefore the five kings of the Ammonites, or the Amorites, the king of Jerusalem, the king of Hebron, the king of Jarmuth, the king of Lachish, the king of Eglon, gathered together, and they went up. They and all their armies encamped before Gibeon and made war against it. And the men of Gibeon sent to Joshua at the camp of Gilgal, saying, Do not forsake your servants. Come up to us quickly. Save us and help us. For all the the kings of the Ammonites uh, who dwell in the mountains have gathered together against us." So Joshua ascended from Gilgal, he and all the people of war with him, all the mighty men of valor. And the Lord said to Joshua, Do not fear them, for I have delivered them into your hand. Not a man shall stand against, shall stand before you. Joshua therefore came upon them, suddenly having marched all night from Gilgal. So the Lord routed them before Israel, killed them with a great slaughter at Gibeon, chased them along the road that goes to Beth Horon, and struck them down as far as Achaz and Makeda. And it happened, as they fled before Israel and were on the descent of Beth Horon, that the Lord cast down large hailstones from heaven on them as far as Azekah, and they died. There were more who died from the hailstones than the children of Israel killed with the sword. Then Joshua spoke to the Lord in that day, when the Lord delivered up the Amorites from before the children of Israel, and he said in the sight of Israel, Son, "...stand still over Gibeon, and moon in the valley of Aljan, And the sun stood still, and the moon stopped, till the people had revenge upon their enemies. Is this not written in the book of Jasher? So the sun stood still in the midst of heaven, and did not hasten to go down for about a whole day. And there had been no day like that, before it or after it, that the Lord heeded the voice of a man, for the Lord fought for Israel. Then Joshua returned, and all Israel with him, to the camp at Gilgal." So, as we're reading this, God wants you to see how He allows Joshua to have success. Good morning, Pam. God wants you to see how He allows Joshua to have success. There's three allowances that God gives to Joshua in that first passage there verses one through fifteen, He allows Joshua to defend through conflict. Then, in verses sixteen through twenty seven which we'll read next. He allows Joshua to have success to destroy the challengers, and then in verses 28 through 43, he allows Joshua to have success to decimate through conquest. We may not always like talking about these wars and and the killing and such of the Old Testament, but God sanctioned it. God allowed Joshua to have success with it, so he permitted it. The permission was granted to Joshua to have this kind and level of success. We may not consider this to be a lot of success in our day and age. If I went out and killed a bunch of people and claimed the territory for God, that may not be what God wants me to do today. We've got to be very careful about what we read in especially the Old Testament about this kind of conquest and how does it relate to our lives and what does God want me to do and these sorts of things. However, for Joshua and the children of Israel, the mandate for them was to take this territory, the land of Canaan, that God had promised Abraham hundreds of hundreds of years before this point, to take this land, to have it, to dwell in it, to claim it, to have it, to own it. However, the problem was that other people had gotten there first and started to live there. And so Joshua and the children of Israel are now charged with driving those people out of the land and claiming that territory and they were supposed to take that territory and God is going to be with them and give them success as they go insofar and as long as they acknowledge him, they revere him and respect him and do what he asks them to do. As we saw a few chapters ago with Ai, they did not heed the word of the Lord. They did not look to him for help, guidance or success. And as they fought against Ai, they had a very sound defeat. Taught them a lesson that day. Last week with the Gibeonites, they learned a lesson that day. Have you ever had times in your life where you're doing things, and God is teaching you very tough lessons? You got, I don't know if you're like me, but sometimes you got to learn things the hard way. Children of Israel, learning things the hard way. But we're like that, aren't we? Sometimes you got to learn things the hard way. But the children of Israel... They're learning their lessons. They're learning what they need to learn. They're doing what they need to do. And they learn those very tough lessons. And now we're seeing some of the fruit of of those lessons. And in this battle, we have this king of Jerusalem, deciding that he's not going to allow Joshua to to get the first strike to have some sort of preemptive strike he's going to attack this town of Gibeon the you know the, the aforementioned Gibeonites from the previous chapter he wasn't really pleased with how Gibeon had handled himself before Joshua and allowed Joshua to just kind of you know make them their servants and slaves and he didn't like to have this little buffer there he wanted to take control he wanted to conquer for himself and he's going to attack the Gibeonites. He's wondering, is Joshua going to be as loyal to them as he says? You know, the Gibeonites were really treacherous. Sometimes when people deal with us treacherously, we don't always respect them anymore. We don't always give them the benefit of the doubt anymore. We don't treat them the way we would have treated them had they not been so deceitful and deceptive with us. And this king of Jerusalem is wondering, is Joshua going to honor the oath, the covenant that he made with the Gibeonites, is he just going to just let them die? What's he going to do? You know what? He's probably wondering, you know what, if I go and attack those Gibeonites and Joshua comes out, to, I'm going to kill him too. If he doesn't, I'm going to take out the Gibeonites. It's a win-win for us. So he gathers this coalition of other kings in these other places and they decide they're going to march against Gibeon. And let's see what happens. I'm not sure he really banked on the fact that Joshua was going to help. Joshua was miles and miles away at Gilgal. In fact, he's probably close to 25 miles away at his camp. It's a a 4,000-foot ascending climb over the course of 25 miles for Joshua to reach Gibeon from Gilgal. And he makes it overnight. That, my friends, is a forced march. Joshua was committed to honoring and respecting this treaty, this covenant, this promise that he made to the Gibeonites. He was in it to win it. He was not going to let the Gibeonites just fall by the hand of the sword of the king of Jerusalem and his allies. No, God allowed Joshua to have success, to defend through this conflict, to honor the oath that he made to the Gibeonites. And you know, when we honor our commitments before the Lord, when we tell people that we're going to do something, and we do it. It doesn't matter if they are unfaithful. It doesn't matter if they have fallen. It doesn't matter if they're lying. It doesn't matter about anything. If you've made a commitment, if you've made a promise before the Lord, you're obligated to fulfill it. And God was pleased with Joshua that he was willing to honor the contract, the covenant, the commitment, this oath that he made to the Gibeonites. Joshua had this forced march, 25 miles, 4,000 foot ascending march overnight to reach Gibeon to defend them. That's crazy! There are not a lot of people that would do that. But Joshua, the man of God, the servant of the Lord, he did that. So, our challenge... Is to do the very same sorts of things. You know, it doesn't matter how hard it is to honor and fulfill oaths. Some are harder to fulfill than others. And Joshua could have very easily said, you know what, these Gibeonites, they're on their own. They're a bunch of liars anyway. They don't deserve no help, nothing. They're on their own. If they want to lie and deceive me and the children of Israel, they're on their own against this king of Jerusalem. Let's see what happens. And he can just step back and wait for them to come to him and take him out on his own home territory. No problem, none whatsoever. But he's a man of God. He honored his oath. He honored his commitment. And he defended these people. And God gave him success. God permitted him, he gave the permission permission was granted to Joshua to defend the gibeonites to honor that oath and God gave them victory and it was a spectacular victory there were miracles that were associated with this victory and if you've read stories from Joshua before you probably remember the story where the sun sat still as Joshua was fighting this battle now maybe you didn't realize this for the gibeonites Maybe you didn't realize who the Gibeonites were and why he was defending the Gibeonites. Maybe you just remember that he was in some sort of battle. But this story of Joshua defending the Gibeonites after this forced march, these men were tired when they were done with this march to finally reach Gibeon. That's a long way to go on foot. They just didn't get to go in their car and just drive 25 miles and just be there quick. This was on foot, guys. A foot on foot forced march 25 miles 4000 feet up that's a big that's a big job and he did it out of respect for these people to fulfill the oath before the lord and joshua therefore came upon them suddenly having marched all night 25 miles so the lord routed them before israel the lord is going to really take over on this battle As we read before, he sends hailstones down. Hailstones in the middle of this place. This isn't, anyway, you know what? The Lord can do whatever the Lord wants to do. And he sent hailstones on these people. And it says that more people died from the hailstones than were killed by the children of Israel by the sword. That's a lot of hailstones. That's a lot of people getting crushed by hailstones. I wonder what I wonder what that opposition was thinking when they saw these hailstones coming down, killing their people, destroying everything that it hits, because more people died from the hailstones than from the actual battle itself. Crazy. And Joshua continues this fight, and he realizes, and he speaks to the Lord, And the Lord delivered the Ammonites from his hand, and he said, Sun, stand still over Gibeon, and moon in the valley. So the sun stood still, and then the moon stopped, till the people had revenge upon their enemies. Joshua needed more time to complete this work, and he prays to the Lord, and he asked the sun to stand still. Who thinks to ask the sun to stand still? I didn't know that was on the table. Did you? But apparently Josh was thinking outside of the box, and he says, you know what, Lord, I need more time. Maybe we need the sun to stop, Lord. Can you, Maybe you can do that one for us. No problem, says the Lord, and the sun stood still. It stood still in the midst of heaven and did not hasten to go down for about a whole another day. How about that? Can the Lord do stuff that's crazy or what? He can pull off miracles you didn't even know he could pull off. And the Lord did that. He did it for Joshua. He gave him that permission to have this this conflict to be resolved in this sort of way. He allowed those hailstones to come down. He allowed Joshua to have this victory. This victory was awesome. It required miracles because the Lord brought him. And he was able to defend the Gibeonites from this onslaught of this king of Jerusalem and his allies. It was a crazy route, and everybody was safe. The Lord killed more people with the hailstones. God was so in control of this situation. What situations are you going through that the Lord's in control over? Do you have any situations in your life that the Lord is in control over? Or do you just feel like they're all just so spun out of control there's no hope? God can even make the sun stand still for a whole nother day. Now we're not going to get into the physics of how this happened or or any of the speculative nonsense that, that people can get into. All I know is that it happened. The Bible says it happened. It's God breathed. It's inspired by Him. He says that it happened. So by golly, I'm betting that it happened. I don't know how it happened, but it happened. And that's okay with me. I don't have to know all the ins and outs. My faith in the Word of God is so sound that if it says it, it did it. And that's okay. And then after that, verse 16, God permits and gives permission to Joshua to have success over these challengers, to destroy these challengers, these kings that rose up to attack the Gibeonites. Joshua's going to challenge them, and he's going to destroy them. And it says in verse 16, And these five kings had fled and hidden themselves in a cave at Makeda. So they probably see the handwriting on the wall. They see that this battle is not going well for them and and they hightail it out of there because they know they're going to get killed if they get caught. So they hightail it out of there. They flee these caves. And it was told Joshua saying, the five kings have been found hidden in the caves. And so Joshua said, roll large stones against the mouth of the cave and set men uh, by it to guard them. So they find him in these caves Joshua tells these guys to roll stones in front of them. They're going to trap them in there. They're not going to be able to escape. And do not stay there yourselves, but pursue your enemies and attack their rear guard. Do not allow them to enter their cities for the Lord your God has delivered them into your hands. So the kings have disengaged from their armies. We've now got these kings in these caves by the stones and now the army is going to go and destroy the other armies while Joshua now is going to deal with these kings. And it happened while Joshua and the children of Israel made an end of slayings with them with a very great slaughter till they finished that, that those who escaped entered fortified cities and all the people returned to the camp to Joshua at Machidah in peace. No one moved his tongue against any of the children of Israel. Then Joshua said, open the mouth of the caves and bring out those five kings to me from the cave. And they did so and brought out those five kings to him from the cave, the king of Jerusalem, the king of Hebron, the king of Jarmath, the king of Lachish, the king of Eglon. So it was when they brought out those kings to Joshua that Joshua called for all the men of Israel and said to the captains of the men of war who went with him, come near, put your feet on the necks of these kings. And they drew near, put their feet on the necks of then Joshua said to them, Do not be afraid, nor be dismayed, be strong and of good courage, for thus the Lord will do to all your enemies against whom you fight. And afterward Joshua struck them and killed them and hanged them on five trees, and they were hanged on the trees until evening. And it was and so it was at the time of the going down of the sun that Joshua commanded that they took down the from took them down from the trees, cast them into the cave where they had been hidden and laid large stones against the caves mouths which remain until this very day. So God permitted Joshua to destroy these challengers. He gave him permission to do that. After they had uh, been uh, caught, captured, the stones rolled in front, they go and attack the armies, rout them. Joshua now comes back to these caves uh, and and gets these kings out of the caves takes him before his captains of all the men of war the children of israel's most prominent people here these captains he has the captains put their feet on their necks i can just only begin to imagine what this would have been like maybe they were laying on the ground and like you know you ever see like a like a wrestling match where they put their foot on their chest and flex and get the three count Maybe that's what it was like, I don't know, but instead of you know, putting their foot on their, on their back or their chest, they put it on their neck as if to really put them into submission. Like, we got you guys, my foot's on your neck and I can kill you at any time. Maybe that's what that's all about. It's, it's hard to say, but it was probably a sign of strength and submission against those kings that Josh was able to do whatever he wants to do. God's in control. God's allowing these things to happen. God is giving Joshua the victory over the kings, over the war, over everything. God is allowing Joshua to just have his way with stuff. And Joshua says to the people something very reminiscent of something back in chapter 1. Do you remember that? Did Did you catch this? Joshua said to them, these captains, do not be afraid nor be dismayed. Does that sound familiar? Sounds like something God said to Joshua about 10 chapters ago. Be strong and of good courage, for thus the Lord will do to all your enemies against whom you fight. The Lord is definitely in control and is giving permission to Joshua to win these battles, to be successful in these conflicts, to be able to defend through conflict and to destroy these challengers. God is allowing this to happen. And then in verses 28 through 43, we see the decimation through conquest. These next few verses, 28 through 43, is just the conquest of the southern land as he goes through these areas uh, where these kings were at. I'm not going to read all of this. It's kind of repetitive. If you'd like to read it for yourself, you are more than welcome to. But it's very repetitive. He goes in here, kills him, goes into here, kills him, goes into here, kills him, goes into here, kills him, goes in here, kills him. Okay, we got it. He wins. How is he winning? How is he so successful? Because as you remember, back at AI, when it should have been easy, peasy, lemon, squeezy, he didn't win. The only reason he was able to win at Ai is because the Lord gave him permission to win. The only reason he won at Jericho is because the Lord had given him permission to win. And you know why the only reason he's going to be winning here? Is because the Lord is giving him permission to win. And he wins and he's very successful because the Lord is with him. He's being obedient to do what the Lord wants him to do and go where the Lord wants him to go. And he recognizes how in control God is over this whole thing. And he submits himself to the righteous, mighty hand of God to ensure that the victory is from the Lord and not from himself, not from his captains, not from the mighty men of valor, none of those other places, not his alliances, not the Gibeonites, nobody else gets to claim the reason for the victories that he's having. It's only because the Lord is with him and the Lord is blessing him and the Lord is providing the permission to be able to go and the Lord provides the victory that he needs to find the success in order to conquer these lands, which is really what the whole point of the whole thing is anyway. Command and conquer these lands and God gives Joshua the victory To be able to do that. So, what areas of your life do you struggle with? What areas of your life are you wondering if God is in control over or not? What areas of your life do you struggle with? Are you not finding victory in? Victory is found in submission to the Lord, and we find the joy that we have in life as a result of the obedience that we have to Him. I suspect Joshua was filled with joy as he was going through these places. Because it's very stressful, you know, when you're losing. Even when you lose simple things, it's very stressful. But when you have a lot of victory, then, then it's great. Joshua was finding this victory. He's finding the peace that he needs to do exactly what God wanted him to do. And God gave the permission that he needed to find that victory. And God can give us permission as well, as long as we're obedient to him and doing what he asks us to do. Have a great day.